Support for the Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities with Public Schools Unite Us initiative and United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. It's the Capital Connection. Hi, I'm David Gustina. Joining us this week is pollster Steve Greenberg from the well-known Siena Poll, of course, at MNH from the Siena College Research Institute. We've had Stephen and we've had Dr. Don Levy many times over the years. There's a new poll out this week worth discussing and in polling in general. Welcome back to the Capital Connection, Steve Greenberg. Great to be with you, Dave. Stephen, will you take a minute, because I think it's important, you know, what about yourself? How did Stephen Greenberg end up at the Siena Pole doing what you do prominently now? <laughs> well, it goes back now almost 20 years. In my previous life, when I worked in government and politics, I was communications director for H. Carl McCall when he was the state controller. And a couple of years after he left office, when he lost to Governor Pataki, who won his third term, and... I started doing uh, public relations and communications consulting. Uh, Carl was speaking at an event at Siena, invited me to come. I came. I got introduced to Dr. Douglas Lonstrom, who was one of the co-founders sure. of the Siena Research Institute. And uh, we started talking and had a conversation about why I thought Siena's consumer confidence polling that they were doing at the time was very good, but that... I was not impressed with the kind of political polling they were doing at the time. And we had a discussion, and a few weeks later, uh, I signed on to start working with uh, the Siena College Research Institute. Uh, we put out our first of the current incarnation, uh, the first Siena College poll in February 2005, when George Pataki was still the governor of New York. And in fact, in that first poll, we asked the question whether Voters wanted to reelect him because it was before he had announced that he wasn't going to run for a fourth term. And then a couple of years later, uh, Don, uh, Dr. Lonstrom hired Dr. Don Levy to come in and be the uh, director of the uh, institute. And it has taken off in leaps and bounds since then. So it has been a fun ride for these last almost 20 years. What would you tell people, Stephen Greenberg, about polling in general? How do people decide whether the poll is legitimate? What makes it legitimate? Well, there, there are a lot of things that go into it. First of all, you want to ensure that the pollster is not biased one way or the other. You know, Democratic pollsters, they're going to have a poll that's going to reflect good for them. Republican pollsters will have polls that will reflect good for them. When Siena puts out a poll and the Democrats don't like it, they beat up Siena. When the Republicans don't like it, they beat up Siena. So you want but to follow the independent polling organization. Absolutely. You know, the only skin Siena Research has in the game is to get it right. I have found that on election night over these last many years, I root for whatever the Siena poll said, even if it's not what I want to happen personally, because the only thing that, you know, matters for a pollster is getting it right. And that's why we're very proud for two years running now, according to 538.com, which is 
now part of ABC News. The New York Times Siena College poll has been ranked as the top pollster in the nation. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. When you partner with a august organization like the New York Times, they obviously want independence in a poll that has veracity. Absolutely. Again, you know, the New York Times, people may think it has a political bent one way or the other. That certainly seems a reasonable argument to make, but they also want to get it right. They don't want uh, to have a poll that says Biden beats Trump by 12, and then a week later, Trump beats Biden. I mean, that nobody wants that kind of polling. So the only interest we have when we're doing a poll is to get it right. Yeah, and you already brought it up, but it's same in journalism. When you have a story and the left and the right are are yelling at you, you've probably done a good job. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. We're talking with Stephen Greenberg, pollster for the Siena College poll. Now, the Siena poll that you have out, the latest one, that is, the top issues for New Yorkers. Let's start with New Yorkers. Obviously, it's asking New Yorkers their opinions, but the issues that matter most to them will steer clear of the favorability for politicians at the moment. And I see there are a few here, cost of living, migrants, crime, housing. Let's take each of them independently. Cost of living, what are we finding out among those who you polled? Well, what we've learned is that 29% of New Yorkers say the cost of living in this state is the single top most important issue they want Governor Hochul and the legislature to work on in Albany. If we then ask voters, if it's not your first choice, what's your second choice? Combine those two and nearly half of New Yorkers, 49 percent, say the cost of living is their top issue. Second place, migrants. Overall, 39 percent said it's one of their top two issues. Nearly a quarter, 23 percent say it's the top issue. Crime came in third. 15 percent say it's their top issue. One third, 33 percent say it's one of their top two issues. Housing, 29 percent. So a little bit less between a quarter and a third say it's one of their top two issues. And then coming in lower were health, 24 percent say it's one of their top two issues. The environment, only 10 percent say it's one of their top two issues. And flight out of New York, New Yorkers leaving for other states. Again, 10% say it's one of their top two issues. There is a difference between the parties, but not as wide on this question as you might see in some of our other questions. So, for example, Democrats' top three issues are the cost of living, housing, and migrants. For Republicans, it's migrants, cost of living, and crime. And for independents, it's cost of living, migrants, and crime. So all three, Democrat, Republican, and independents, have migrants and cost of living. Then Republicans and independents have crime and Democrats have housing. Steve Greenberg, of course, we know with each of these issues, you can ask, well, how so? So, for example, cost of living, do they give you examples? The cost of groceries? Is it gas? Do we have the underpinnings of why they say that in these polls? No, not really. I mean, we have asked those kinds of questions before, not in this month's survey. We did ask about crime, which we've been asking a lot about over the last several years. Interestingly, a majority, 56 percent, say crime in this state has gotten worse over the last year. Now, crime statistics don't necessarily indicate that, Uh but this is a question of how people feel. 
Only 12% of New Yorkers say crime in New York has gotten better in the last year. About a third, 31% say it stayed about the same. But as I say, a majority, 56% say it has gotten worse. So my question would be, people get their information from media, whether it's social media or mainstream media or right-wing media, they get their information from media. So how much of this polling tracks what the media is covering? If I look at cost of living, migrants, crime and housing, those have been big stories, not only in commercial radio, but even in public radio. So people are hearing about these issues as problems all the time. Absolutely. Look, a poll is nothing more than a snapshot in time. So in the middle of February 2024, these are the issues that are top of mind for voters across New York right now. It could be because of what their particular media or their source of information, but it could also be their personal experiences. Certainly when we talk about cost of living, people can watch CNBC and see the stock market ticker and see all the the talking heads talking about the economy and business and Wall Street, et cetera. But people make their decisions about how they feel about the economy and how they're doing economically when they go to fill up the gas tank, when they go to the supermarket to buy food for the family. So people bring their experiences and everybody has different experiences. They interact with different people. They follow different social media or traditional media sources. Absolutely. We're speaking with pollster Steve Greenberg from the Siena Poll. Very interesting conversation so far. So the real issue is when you look at the crosstabs. So when you go and you look at how the poll breaks down, you do it by party, gender, ideology, union, HH, region, ethnicity, age, religion, and income. So that is a real breakdown. It does help you understand why people in these groups are in some ways polling the way they are. Absolutely. Look, not all Democrats feel the same, but Democrats tend to feel one way. Republicans tend to feel on some issues the same way, but on many issues, a completely different way. Uh, We often see independents fall between the two. Certainly upstaters and downstaters feel differently on some issues. They feel similarly on many issues as well. But yes, there are differences uh, and this, uh, when we do this kind of polling, it enables us to share with the public not how, not just how the whole of New York voters feel, but segments of them, men versus women, union households versus non-union households, households where the income is under 50,000, households where the income is above 100,000. So it, it lets us look at New York as New York really is. And, and when, when you look at the last page, if, if listeners go to siena.edu slash SCRI for Siena College Research Institute, you can find every poll that we've ever released there. The last page of the cross tabs where we put all the questions in order with these demographic breakdowns that we've been talking about tells you that what we call the nature of the sample. What does that mean? Well, in this poll uh, in particular, uh, what it tells you is that 48% of the voters we talked to were Democrats, 22% were Republican, 27% were either independent or members of the minor parties. Now, somebody may say, Oh my God, Siena, they're so biased. They, they did twice as, more than twice as many Democrats as Republicans. No wonder the poll comes out the way it did. No, 
we did twice as many Democrats as Republicans because that's New York's electorate. If you look at two to one. all the uh, all, better than two to one right now, 50 percent of the state's enrolled voters are Democrats. Only 22 percent are Republican. Twenty three percent are independents. There are more independents in New York state right now than Republicans. So when you go down, you can see 53 percent of our I'm sorry. Yeah. Fifty three percent of our respondents were women. Forty four percent were men uh, and, and so on and so forth. What we try to do is show you who we spoke to to put this poll together. And if you look at it, that is what the New York electorate, the 12 million registered voters in New York, that's what they look like by region, by party, by ethnicity, et cetera. I wonder, I, you just made me think of, you know, what's the percentage of the total number of Republicans in the state who actually go out and vote versus the total number of Democrats in the state and how many actually go out to vote? Would we have a larger number for Republicans? It varies from year to year. But what I can say is historical trends show Republicans tend to outvote their percentages. They tend to be better voters than Democrats, less so in presidential years. Democrats tend to match their enrollment for turnout in most presidential election years like we have this year. But in a gubernatorial year, yeah. If we look back at the uh, election from 2022 between Governor Hochul and then uh, Representative Zeldin, you would see that Republicans outvoted their enrollment percentages and Democrats undervoted their enrollment percentage. You are listening to The Capital Connection. I'm David Gustin, and with us this week is Steve Greenberg from the well-known Siena Poll. Well, let's get into some of the major political figures and their favorability. We'll start, of course, with the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul. What are New Yorkers thinking? It looks like, to me, she was up a bit, and now she came back down a bit. That's exactly right. Last month in January, Governor Hochul had the best favorability rating and the best job approval rating she had had in nearly a year. But this month, it's down again. Right now, 41% of New Yorkers say they view Kathy Hochul favorably, but a plurality, 46%, view her unfavorably. So underwater, as we would say, by five points. Last month, she was on the positive side by three points, 45% favorable to 42% unfavorable. Similar drop in her job approval rating, which now is basically break even. 48% of New Yorkers approve of the job that Hochul is doing as governor. 47% disapprove, again, down from last month. What I think is interesting is we were just talking about 50% of the enrolled voters in this state are Democrats. Republican hasn't won statewide since 2002 when George Pataki won his uh, last election for governor. And a Republican candidate for president hasn't won in four decades since Ronald Reagan carried New York back in 1984 in his reelection. In a state like that, what's fascinating to me is that after two and a half years as governor, Kathy Hochul has never once had 50 percent of the voters viewing her favorably. I'll throw it right back at you, Steve Greenberg. What do you make of that? Well, She came into office in a different set of circumstances than most governors come in. You know, when Andrew Cuomo got elected, he was elected by the people after an election. He had served as attorney general. And of course, he was the son of Mario Cuomo. Uh, Elliot Spitzer, when he first got elected, got elected in a landslide, but had been, you know, the sheriff of Wall Street, the attorney general for eight years. 
Hochul came into office sort of like David Patterson came into office as lieutenant governor, uh, succeeding a governor who wound up resigning. So when she first became governor, she was largely unknown to the voters of New York. They didn't vote her in as governor. Yes, they voted her in as lieutenant governor, but it's not like you get to choose that office separately in the general election. They run as a team, like president and vice president. So she had her work cut out for her, but then she's been through an election. She's now been the governor for two and a half years in a state where half the voters are Democrats. And I think it's fascinating that she's never been able to hit that mark of 50% favorability. I also noticed here that 56% say the quality of life in New York is getting worse and only 14% think it's getting better. Well, that can't be good for any politician. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's, you know, the, the first question we ask on every statewide Siena poll is, is New York State uh, on the right track or headed off in the wrong direction? Right now, only 36% of New Yorkers think the state is on the right track. A majority, 52%, say we're headed in the wrong direction. So we ask that every every first question in every poll. So we have a 20-year history of where that question comes out. But we don't often ask, we did this month, about the quality of life in New York. Has it gotten better, stayed about the same, or gotten worse? So it's... It's a slightly different measure, but what we see is largely the same result. Only 14% say it's gotten better, a quarter, 25% say it's stayed about the same, but 56%, a majority say, you know, things in New York are getting worse. Uh, Republicans overwhelmingly say that. Nearly three quarters of Republicans say things have gotten worse, 73%. Independence almost as high. 68% of independents say things have gotten worse in the state. But even a plurality of Democrats, 42% of Democrats, say things have gotten worse in New York. As I hinted at earlier, a lot of this, whether it's true or not, is based on perception. And you said, yes, an experience as well. But People perceive their world around them, and it may be that some of their perceptions, while tying closely into what the poll is suggesting, their perceptions may be wrong. Who's Who are we to say? You know, look, people bring their experience, what they know, what they feel, what they perceive, and who, who, who are we to say that their perceptions are wrong and my perceptions are right? So that's why we talk to voters every month to hear what they're saying and thinking and feeling. Yeah, again, but then if you have a contradiction, like crime statistics are down overall when you look at city by city by city by city. And yes, we do have some violence, like even in Albany. So the numbers, you have to be careful, right? Don't we always have to be careful with numbers? Yeah, you do. But just because crime statistics are down, that does not make people necessarily feel safer. It may be a part of it. Maybe it has to go on for a year or two and they see crime statistics are down over time and maybe that makes them feel better. But it's that's just one part of it. I don't know that that's contradictory to say crime statistics are down, but people feel just as unsafe or more unsafe. No, no. And I didn't mean to make it seem contradictory in their feelings. I just meant you've got, you know, you've got these juxtaposed things that for many people would seem disjointed. 
crime statistics are down, yet people are worried about crime more and more. But you're right. It's relied on a lot of other things, including the Republicans, who constantly drum up fear in the populace and say, you need to be afraid of crime, you need to be afraid of migrants, you need to be afraid of this and afraid of that. So I wonder how much, again, is part of, in many cases, when we're talking about politics, for example, when you look at the Biden-Trump numbers, a majority of voters, neither Trump federal conviction nor Biden impeachment would change their vote. That when it comes to party, that may be the most important thing in deciding how people feel about issues. Well, I mean, before we even get to the the Biden-Trump, and yeah, I mean, that's how locked in most voters are already. There's nothing you can tell me about the other side that's going to make me change my mind. But but let, let me go back for a second and talk about the Hochul favorable and job approval numbers. Why? I said it went down. Where, with who? Where? How did it go down? It went down not because of Republicans or independents. It went down with Democrats and it went down with downstate suburban voters. Why? Maybe because last week there was a special election, as your listeners know, in New York's uh-huh. third congressional district. For the last several weeks, you could not be downstate without being inundated with pro-Swazi commercials, anti-Swazi commercials, pro-Mazi commercials, anti-commercials. There were tens of millions of dollars being spent in that district, but that district is heard and seen throughout lower New York, you know, through the New York City metropolitan area. So because migrants crime, major issues in that campaign, maybe that had an effect on voters. Uh, and, and that's why we see maybe uh, Hochul's numbers drop with these groups a little bit because they were focused on those issues because what was going on around them. Absolutely. I think you're so right, Steve Greenberg. And of course, we had, I believe there was an issue with a migrant and a police officer. There was some major event that occurred during the campaign that put the focus even more directly on the migrant crisis. And you're right. I mean, you've got how many millions on Long Island and then you got New York City and the surrounding burbs. And of course, we're not ignoring it up here in upstate New York. It's a major congressional race that has impacts the balance of power in the House. So, yeah, absolutely. You were paying attention up here, but there was not advertising on the local stations in the Albany market or Buffalo market. The advertising was all taking place in the New York City, Long Island media markets. All right, let's move on to President Biden and former president wants to be president again, Donald Trump. I think I know how this is going to go, but why don't you share it with our listeners? How are New Yorkers feeling about these two? Sure. Well, as I said, we, as we talked about earlier, no, no Republican has carried uh, New York in a presidential election in 40 years. Uh, Biden won by over 20 points uh, four years ago. Right now in a head to head matchup, Biden leads Trump by 12 points, 48 percent to 36 percent, up from nine points uh, last month. If we throw in Robert Kennedy Jr. and Cornell West and we have a four way race, Then Biden only leads by 10 points over Trump, 42 to 32 percent, and RFK picks up 13 percent. But we asked a different question this month that we've never asked voters before. We said, if you have your preference, who will the next president be, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or someone else? And the winner is someone else. 41 percent of New Yorkers said They'd like a president not named Biden or Trump. 28% say they're sticking with Biden. 28% say they're sticking with Trump. 
It's quite something. And it's like Nevada. None of these wins. So we're not going to have none of these on the presidential ballot. But you could certainly see from that you might get a lot of write-ins or other things happening if people are so disgusted with the two choices. You know, another question that we asked is, as you look at the candidates and you think about the, the mental and physical capabilities you need to be president for four years, do you think that both Biden and Trump are fit to be president for four years? Do you think Biden is, but not Trump? Do you think Trump is, but not Biden? Or do you think neither of them is? Only 7% of New Yorkers think they're both fit to be president for the next four years. 23% say Biden is, but Trump's not. A larger number, a plurality, in fact, 35% say Trump is, but Biden is not. And 32% say neither one of them is fit. So if you look at it, 55% of New York voters say Donald Trump is not mentally and physically fit to be president for four years. And 67% say Joe Biden is not fit and capable to be president for the next four years. That is quite something, Steve Greenberg, in terms of the state of presidential politics in our country and how people feel about these candidates. I'm wondering if you look into your crystal ball for a moment as we go forward and we get closer, as we get closer to Election Day, when the average American begins to start paying attention maybe a month or two months out, do you see it people tightening up? In other words, they're going to stick to their convictions once the real campaign gets underway and You'll see those numbers maybe rise in support for either candidate. Uh, you know, I, I like to follow the advice of that great sage Yogi Berra. I hate making predictions, particularly about the future. Look, there's going to be so many things that happen between now and then. Does Donald Trump go to trial or not? Do the Republicans impeach Joe Biden or not? Things we're not even thinking about in the Middle East, in Europe, in the economy here. So we'll see as it gets closer. But. That's why, you know, we can measure over time. And I do believe in momentum in politics, but momentum shifts as well as events shift. So we will see. We will continue to monitor how New Yorkers feel uh, between now and Election Day. All right. Well, if you can't predict that, can you tell us when the next New York Times in a college poll will be coming out or at least tell us if there's anything in the works that you're working on? Yes, we are in the works on some new polling with the New York Times, but I will take a pass on what and when that will be. Well, we'll look for it anyway, Steve Greenberg. I do appreciate your candor and always coming on to talk to us and break down these polls for us and, quite frankly, to help New Yorkers understand them better and how to read them and then make more informed choices. He is Stephen Greenberg from the well-known Siena Poll, which comes from the Siena College Research Institute. You can find out more at scri.siena.edu, and I hope you will take some time to look at that. Steve Greenberg, a pleasure, and I can only hope Hope you'll come back again. Anytime, Dave. I really enjoy it. Thank you. The Capital Connection is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. You can listen to The Capital Connection anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcast. And join us again next week at this same time for another political conversation. For The Capital Connection, I'm David Gustina. Support for the Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities through the Public Schools Unite Us initiative.